Well, good morning, everybody. We are returning back to the Psalms this morning, um, as we've both been inspired by this book, 21 Psalms for the 21st Century by Marjorie Suhaki, and we can put that up on the screen. We'll drop a little uh, link in the chat, too, yes. if you want to check it out. It's very readable, very yeah. simple. Mm-hmm. So if you want to join us this summer in reading through this, it's a collection of reflections on 21 different Psalms. Um, and they're really simple, but I think they're really thought-provoking and really approachable. Um, but each week, we have been referring to the Psalms as the prayer and song book of the Bible. So I thought that for our conversation today, we could actually just talk more about prayer and about song and how we've been shaped by both of those and what that means that the Psalms function in this way. Um, the image this week that was put out, if you follow us on social media, is um, a hymnal and a Bible in a wooden pew. And this hits nostalgia for me because I have been formed by many hours. Many wooden pews? Yes. You're back. Although I will say (laughs) at my church that I went to growing up, the first, I think, four rows had an added cushion. So if you could score one of those, it was way comfier, but it did mean you were real close. So Uh, it's kind of like a give and take there. But that setting really formed me, and song and prayer and liturgy really have continued to be grounding for me, um, even as my relationship to some of the words sung or prayed has changed over time. Mm -hmm. I think that there's something really lasting and connecting about music and language that um, crosses generations and can bring its own complexity, but it can also be a really big source of comfort. So we're going to get into that a little bit today. But um, each week we've been rooting our messages in a particular psalm from the, one of the ones that Marjorie Suhaki uh, chooses. So while today will be a little bit more of a zoomed out conversation on prayer and song in general, for the sake of consistency, I thought we could still open up with a psalm that she reflects on. Um, so this is Psalm 150. This is the, the concluding chapter of the Psalms. It's the end of the prayer and song book. It's not very long. Um, she kind of describes it as the final hallelujah chorus, and it's much different in tone from some of the other Psalms that we've looked at so far. Um, a, just a little brief disclaimer, I rewrote this to kind of reimagine. Um, there's a lot of re- repetitive masculine pronouns for God used over and over again. So because God is so much bigger than our language and God is a collective, it felt more approachable to reimagine this with um, they, them pronouns or just using God in place of he. So you may notice some changes there if you're familiar with this one. But Vince, if you want to go ahead. Sure. I shall read. read like you said, we, we've looked at some psalms that were a little bit more living in the melancholy. And today mm-hmm. we're, gonna, we're, we're, we're moving into something very meant to be a hallelujah chorus. Like, hallelujah. Yes. Everybody's going to rise and sing. Isn't that what you're supposed to do <laughs> when that part of the, the, the Handel's Messiah comes? You're supposed to rise. Um, okay. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to stand up while I, <laughs> while I uh, dramatically read this. Uh, Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in their sanctuary, praise God in their mighty firmament, praise God for their mighty deeds, praise God according to God's surpassing greatness, praise God with trumpet sound, praise God with lute and harp, praise God with tambourine and dance, praise God with strings and pipe, praise God with clanging cymbals, praise God with loud clashing cymbals, Praise God with guitar and electric guitar and kick drum and voices. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Was that dramatic enough? Yes. Good. Yeah, yeah, thank good. you. Yeah. 
So that is Psalm 150. Before we get into directly talking about prayer and song, I want to spend just a few moments talking about this idea of praise yeah. because yeah. pretty evident, praise God, praise God, praise God over and over again. <laughs> that word a lot. Yeah. Yes. What's, the, what's the thing uh, that when you keep saying a word and then it no longer means anything? Um, semantic satiation. Yes, that's right. Sure. That's, how, that's, that's what just happened. <laughs> praise doesn't mean anything anymore because you just said it too much. But I think that our understanding of praise, it's such a simple word and it's such a, it can be kind of like a religious you word in yeah. context yeah. of yeah. like, oh yeah, praise God. But what that actually means. <laughs> praise God. Hashtag praise God. <laughs> what that actually means and how we actually view praise can really shape how we pray and how we sing and what music we're drawn to. Um, there's this prevailing image, I think. And it's not explicitly taught or talked about, but I think it exists subconsciously for a lot of people of this almost narcissist God mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. needs the ego trip of having creation constantly reminding him of his goodness. Um, this reflects a lot more of the like unmoved mover that we've talked about before, yes, this yes. distant God in the sky image that we've broken down. And in that context, praise becomes more of an obligation and a transaction. Yes. It's to win approval or blessing. Yeah. And then praise can really be spiritually bypassing reality because yeah. no matter what, if God is deserving for praise or deserving of praise, that doesn't always leave room for wrestling with your reality that may not feel all that praiseworthy. Yes. Um, yes. For some people, that might be a really just stabilizing message of comfort. And I think for others, it can be a message of invalidation. Yeah, and I think you're, I think you're right to point out like the, um, the problem that sometimes people will feel in the midst of it, but it's not always said, is like, is God a narcissist? Is, like, is, is God so needy that I need, like, what's the, what's the purpose of mm -hmm. praise, right? And I remember a really helpful analogy that we've used at our church before is to, um, is to use an image that Jesus used. To, to, uh, Jesus called, um, said, God, and, and I show God as the good doctor. And, um, and uh, I heard a, um, a, the analogy of uh, looking at God as a good doctor versus looking at God as like a stern boss. Mm -hmm. And those would be kind of the two prevailing ways that we default to thinking about God. And stern boss is kind of the narcissistic, I need you to you know, tell me what a great job I'm doing. You show up for, you show up for the boss you know, to get things done for the boss, but the boss is, you know, is kind of like on their own dime and they don't really care about you. And whereas a doctor, the reason you would praise a doctor is not because the doctor is like so needy. It's because like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. It's like a, it's a, it's a pouring out of like, oh my, I'm, my doctor has been helpful to me. They are a good doctor. Um, I, that, that's worked for me in the past of just kind of understanding like praise as a natural outflow um, of something that you're grateful for rather than praise as like this obligation that you have to do for the narcissist God who needs their ego padded. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful image to hold on to. Um, and another helpful distinction that um, I came across in reading the reflection on Psalm 150 for this mm. week. Um, Marjorie Suhaki puts praise in more of an active context, that this isn't something that's simply happening in sanctuaries with wooden pews or in movie theaters, um, <laughs> but is actually lived in the way that we actively participate in the world. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. she calls it like a living praise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so there's this great quote from her that we can put up there. And she writes, when we strive for peace, for community, for greater well-being, we are praising God. 
The prophet Micah said it well, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Is not this the deepest, truest way of all to show the praise of God? And I love that because I think we can separate out um, praise as its own separate category, but she puts it in a really living, active context of, Yeah, it's no. kind of artificial to separate yeah. what, how you're living from what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. like the whole entire act of striving for peace, of building community, of having greater well-being, not just for yourself, but for those around you, that that is actively sources of praise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that feels mm -hmm. like a really big encouragement for me. Mm -hmm. um, and even this idea of this being a way to show praise because this is the way that God is. Um, it's like the quote, the um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Sure, sure, yes, that yeah. If we are praising God, we're actually emulating how God is in the world, that we're emulating the compassion and justice and love of God, that we get to participate in the flow of the redemptive nature of God that already exists in the world. And so I think it's helpful to reimagine that as praise yeah. instead of as this like hyper personal individualistic prayers and songs. I mean, it's sort of akin to um, something we did several months ago when we were talking about um, prayer and talking about understanding prayer in more ways than, you know, the classic, like it, depending on what you grew up in, you know, if you're Catholic, it's like, you know, I'm folding my hands and kneeling at the bed, you know, before I go to sleep or um, if you're uh, evangelical Protestant, you know, it's like putting a hand on somebody's shoulder and praying for them, you know, whatever, whatever the picture of prayer is, we're trying to ex explode that open, see more things as included in that. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is what Marjorie Suwaki is doing with us for praise, right? Of praise is not just kind of this, you know, uh, singing a hallelujah chorus uh, mm -hmm. up to God, but it is something that is, inter we, are, we are praising God perhaps all the time. And the question is, is are we aware of that? Or are we calling that praise or not? Yeah, and it's not a question of either or of like, oh, that, well, that's not actually praise and this is. It's like, no, this is just an expansive way to view praise and to view sure, prayer. Sure, and it's, and it's nice to have categories, right? Because that helps us kind of like, you know, feel manageable in our lives, but also the categories are kind of arbitrary. So mm -hmm. like, we don't, we don't need like, you know, you can be praising God when you are like, like the, the message of the prophets. She says the message of Micah, you know, lo loving kindness and justice and walking humbly. I mean, like that is, if you are doing that, you can call that praising God because it's emulating God. Yes, yeah, yeah definitely. Well, maybe let's get into a little bit around prayer here. And prayer and music are both topics that we tend to circle around a lot. Um, I think they're kind of unique because they can both be really deeply personal and they're also part of shaping a communal experience, which is why it tends to come up more. Um, and thinking of the Psalms as a prayer book is, I think, a really helpful thing because it helps to normalize the huge range of emotion in prayer. You have prayers that look a lot like today's psalm full of celebration and gratitude and praise, but you also have prayers that look like Psalm 88, which expresses a lot of anger and being overwhelmed and literally ends with the line, darkness is my closest friend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is not really the same as praise God with have, the harps. We have and, the gamut in the psalms, Yes, right? yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I think it's natural for our experiences of prayer and the way that we're drawn toward prayer for that to change over time. So I thought that we could spend some time talking about what that looks like for us. Yep. And I would also love to invite you, if you're participating in the chat on Discord, to share like maybe 
what prayer has looked like for you over time or what it currently looks like for you now. Uh, but Vince, do you want to get, get us started on what does prayer look like for you? Yeah, I, I think that as I think about what I've shared on Sundays here or what I end up talking about with people um, throughout the week of like, you know, my, my own personal prayer life, um, I'm, I'm afraid I might, uh, those of us who are, have, have like left evangelical spaces, I might trigger you because I think what I, is mostly my prayer is like what, what I think Protestant evangelicals would call a quiet time. Um, and I'm not sure if that holds any uh, weight of like shame, like, oh gosh, I'm not doing it right. Uh, for you, it may. Um, for me, this is just what I've fallen into is um, I... I have four young kids at home. Life is often loud. And when I can find moments of quiet to get away, those feel like the most prayerful moments in my life. So um, it, it's always in the morning. I think I've shared about this a lot on, uh, at church. Like prayer almost always, the most prayerful time in my life is early in the morning before anyone else is up. Um, I usually uh, have uh, a prop like coffee. I like to sit in the same chair and drink uh, from my favorite mug, uh, you know, a coffee. And that is kind of like a... Pavlovian, you know, like, oh, I smell coffee. I'm sitting in the chair. It's quiet. I'm praying. That's what it means, you know? And, um, and lots of people who've taught about, like mystics who've taught about prayer over the centuries will teach you, think, like have props to help you pray. Um, and that's helping me in this quiet time type <laughs> experience. Um, they are, my prayers and my prayer times uh, don't have as many words as they used to. I think that there were, there were seasons of life where prayer for me was, um, uh, journaling, uh, like usually in an app rather than a physical journal. Um, and so it would be lots of words. I would be pouring out tons of things, tons of expression to God, and then maybe sometimes waiting and seeing like, did I, did I sense God speaking anything back in, in that time? This ha it hasn't been my experience lately. It's been more um, uh, we, like breath prayers like we did today. Um, uh, like, you know, I'm using somebody else's words and it's very few words. Um, that's been really good for me. Um, I, I've been getting a lot out of um, what I've learned from people who teach about contemplative prayer. Uh, and contemplative is basically the main thing about contemplative prayer is you're being non-judgmental towards yourself. Not in a way where it's like, you know, you're excusing every, like, oh, I was, you know, mean to my kids, but my kids were loud, so it's fine. I'm not judging myself. No, it's like you're, um, you're, you're being humble. You are, you are slowing down your, like we sang about, you're examining your conscience is the, is the word that's used in, um, in contemplative circles. Um, and that means you're, you know, you're engaging your conscience. What did I feel guilty about? What did I feel good about? What did I feel positive about? What did I feel was in line with my values? What did I feel like I regret? I, I would like to do again. But while you're doing that, you're not being cruel to yourself. You're being non-judgmental. And so it's kind of a review process and you're doing it alongside God. Um, that's been prayer for a lot me lately. Yeah, I think similarly in the past, prayer for me has been a lot more wordy and mm. conversational. Mm -hmm. And I, I am a physical journal and yeah. pen person, yeah. not an app person. Do you save them? Like, do you have uh, I, compiled? Oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. I have a bin of way too many wow. journals that I really just don't know what to do with at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Every move that we make, I'm like, do I really need to transport mm. this to mm -hmm. the next apartment? But. Mm. Um, I used to go through journals like crazy from wow. just writing out prayers and really um, writing out poetry and mm. things like that. Mm -hmm. That felt just deeply spiritual and connecting for me. Um, and it still does in some ways, but I think, honestly, I think I'm just a lot more tired now. Yeah, and that's okay, <laughs> And that right? doesn't feel yeah. like a um, recharging 
um, process anymore. It doesn't, so my gut instinct is to still sometimes to think like, oh, I'm not actually spending that much time in prayer because it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like sitting down and before. writing and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but similarly, breath prayers are something that I mm -hmm. circle back to. I think that's one of the couple of um, practices that I use regularly, mm -hmm. whether it's something like um, from Cole Arthur Riley that Jen led us in this mm -hmm. morning, mm -hmm. or um, another easy breath prayer is bringing to mind a name of God on the inhale and then an, um, something that you're longing for on the exhale, which we use from time to time here. Mm -hmm. But I'm increasingly really using wordless prayers in my breathing practices, just practices in general feel really um, grounding and centering, and I'm trying to be better about naming that as prayerful. Um, an easy one to remember is called square or box praying, and you inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, and hold for four. So I like that one because you don't have to remember much to be able to do yeah. it, and you yeah. can do it wherever you are. Um, so things like that are really centering. Wordless. It's meant to remove, it, it meant to like uh, stop your mind from yes. churning and churning and churning and churning. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the other practice that I use all the time I call the please God prayer, and it goes something like this. Please God, please God, please God, please God, please. <laughs> um, this one tends to make an appearance at 3 a.m. when I'm hoping my toddler will stay in his bed and not come into my bed, or if I'm feeling really anxious, um, yes. or if something in the world is happening that is big and scary and overwhelming. Um, and this please God prayer has been around for a while in my life, but the tone of it and what I'm ask, actually asking God has changed. Mm -hmm. um, we've talked about this before, but the difference of asking something of God versus asking something with God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think it used to be almost this idea that like God has this secret formula that if I prayed mm -hmm. the right way and I was trusting enough, God, like, please, you're withholding this answer from me. Whatever I'm asking for, could you just like give in and grant what I want? And yep. so things work out. Now, I imagine that Jesus is longing with me, not withholding something from me that I'm like desperately in need of. And this please God is an invitation really for me to see God's presence in whatever I'm longing for, mm -hmm. whether it is something small and personal, like a few more hours of uninterrupted sleep, sleep yeah. or something collective and far bigger than myself. Yeah, yeah. And it really gets that for me um, that prayer has become relational, not transactional. Yeah. And I return to that a lot. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. One other thing that I'm thinking about as we just swap, you know, what, what's useful for you in prayer. Um, I uh, really like a podcast that is by uh, uh, a group of Jesuits in Britain called Pray As You Go. Oh, yeah. And maybe I'll ask Melissa to if she can track down a, um, uh, a, a link for that to drop in. But it's, it's a simple podcast. It's released daily, and it's about 10 minutes long, and it helps you. It, it has music. A, a lot of the songs, actually, that we uh, do here uh, at... Uh, brown line show up in uh, in pray as you go. So it's a little bit of music, and then it will read you a scripture from um, from the uh, the liturgical year in um, in uh, uh, the book of or what do they call it the um, common lectionary, mm -hmm. and then um, and then yeah, and then it's it kind of prompts you with some questions. So I like pray as you go. That's good. Yeah, I like that one too. Mm -hmm. Um, so we should we should uh, transition to talk about song. Song is yes. kind of related to this, and yeah, uh, the obviously psalms, this idea of prayer and song being not so different. Um, where we, where we go here? Yeah, I think um, really songs make up the actual theology that we hold to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whether yeah. we're conscious of it or not. 
which is why we tend to be pretty selective. Uh, yeah, bookmark that. I have more yeah. thoughts. On keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, it's it's kind of sneaky in a way. Like when something has a beautiful melody and some great music behind it, you don't always pay close attention to the words that you're singing. But I think that's why when you do find a um, worship song like Slow Me Down or one that we've done, we haven't done it in a little while, um, Give Me Doubt, like you've been yeah. singing a, yeah. a worship song about doubt, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, it almost catches you off guard of like, oh, the, like, these are actually words that I believe in and mm -hmm. can sing mm -hmm. in full confidence. Um, I, when I think about the way that song has shaped me, um, I think about the really beautiful and positive ways, which I'll come back to, but I also think of those like sneaky, wait a second, what am I singing ways? <laughs> um, I worked as a camp counselor at a Christian camp, which I've talked about before, and grew up going to the same camp and have very fond memories of both experiences. And it overall shaped me in a really positive way. So I'm grateful for that. And I can remember a couple years after I stopped working at the camp, thinking about some of the songs we would sing at campfires with the mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. And I want to stress that this is with children. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> there's one song, if you grew up going to a Christian camp, you may know it, but it's called Fire on the Mountain. Okay. And it has hand motions. So okay. again, sneaky. <laughs> um, but the words are literally, there's a fire on the mountain tonight, no room to run, nowhere to hide. Tell me now, would you be all right if you had to die tonight? There's a fire on the mountain tonight. What? Wow. And that's what we were joyfully singing and jumping around a campfire oh, yeah. doing. Yeah. It's Ooh. slightly terrifying. Um, so that was a big yikes moment of like, maybe I should think a little bit more about the songs that I have been formed by and the things that were sung um, growing I, up I have in this been, way. I've been in churches for for nearly all of my adult life, but not having grown up in it, I am still sometimes, like, shocked at what I hear. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it's the craziest thing to me to actually realize, like, the way, like, these are the songs that form us from the beginning if mm -hmm. you're growing up mm -hmm. in a religious environment. And I know we'll circle back more to talk about why we're so picky here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really does make a difference and it starts extremely young. Mm. Um, but when I think about the more beautiful moments that stand out to me, um, I can remember when my son Oliver was a newborn singing whatever would pop in my head at night, um, which tends to be a really funny mixtape of things. But um, a lot of nights I would end up landing on a song by The Brilliance, which we haven't sung in a while, but we tend to sing here, um, From Dust We Are. Yeah. And... Um, it's kind of a solemn lullaby if yeah. you think about it, but yeah. it's there's something really hopeful about it. From dust we are, and dust we've come, and shall return. Mm -hmm. um, and it just thinking about those moments has me thinking of like, what are the songs that I'm singing over his life? What are the songs I'm singing over my own life? Because I think songs can help clarify for us what is true and they travel with us, or they can hold moments in the past. Realizing that you used to be able to sing certain words and now you can't isn't, again, it's not a call to judge your past self, but I think it can, in a unique way, be a marker of the past. Mm. And there are, are things that you can choose to bring with you and keep singing and words that you may need to leave behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think of a, several moments in music, um, helping me feel connected with God, helping me feel like praise was happening in that, in the good way we're talking about, not for the narcissist God, but mm -hmm. for the God who feels like a good doctor to me. Um, 
And yeah, like I think of, I think of a time uh, here in the Davis uh, when the band on stage was singing um, uh, the song Island, the you be home to me, I will be home to you, no one is an island. Um, and yeah, I just remember um, uh, Wesley, my six-year-old was sitting in my lap and um, it was a moment of like calm and peace and that those, those uh, words were washing over me and felt really true. Um, as I thought about Wesley, as I thought about my relationship with God, as I thought about my relationship with other people, with this community, it, it really felt that, that I, was, I was home to others, others were home to me, I was home to God, God was home to me, and that was, it, it was just beautiful. It was a really powerful moment that I felt kind of wash over me. Um, kind of one of those goosebumps moments, you know, that music can do for you. Um, yeah, I, I remember... I remember before Brown Line Church was started, I remember um, being in a congregational singing setting at a church in Boston. Um, and that the, the, it was at a time where um, I, was, I was really asking a lot of questions that would become the seeds of, of this church because I was, uh, I was longing to find more spaces where I felt at home spiritually, where I could, um, I could pursue God and, and do so like showing up with all of myself, even though I didn't always fit in um, Christian settings. Um, and this felt like one of those times where I was like, I, I belong here. Like, I'm amongst people who understand me. I, um, I'm singing songs that I, you know, with lyrics that I believe in. And it was really powerful. I, I, I mean, that, that's another moment that kind of stands out to me of like, ooh, this was, this was good. This was one of those powerful things. And then I also have personal things, like you're saying, mm -hmm. like not necessarily with other people or in a congregational singing setting, but like, I don't know, like this is not at all spiritual. This is, but I, I, I kind of, I feel like it, it is mediated by God or, or helped me connect with God. The movie Once, has anyone ever seen the movie Once? It was recently made into a, a Broadway show um, uh, about a singer-songwriter and, um, and meets a, uh, another young singer-songwriter and they and they they for one shot you know they make a they make an album and it doesn't go anywhere and it's kind of this beautiful like longing story um, but there's such gorgeous music mm -hmm. and it hit me at a time where I was like learning how to play guitar and like finding my my voice musically and I was like I want to be like Glenn Hansard from the movie once and uh, and I don't know like that is like that that it's not overtly spiritual, but it felt like God, and it felt like I learned something about myself and who I wanted to be through this, you know, kind of picture. Uh, and that, that to me was like, it opened me up. It opened up who I was, which feels like God stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be helpful, since the, you often lead us in worship, mm -hmm. um, if you could kind of share more around what you believe the purpose of song is in connecting us with God yeah. and with one another. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I think, I think it would be good to circle back, and I'd be curious if you have more thoughts on the, like you, you mentioned, like we get, our, we get what we believe from worship songs. Mm -hmm. Like the, the lyrics that we sing here on Sundays at Brown Line, I think are what form, what most of us believe week in, week out, or, or knee jerk in a, in a, in a moment of stress. It's, it's the songs that we sing, more so than like anything we say here in a message, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, you might remember the best thing that you ever heard in a message, but what you will remember week in, week out is the hook from whatever song we sang on Sunday. That'll be stuck in your head. And so if those words are like messages that are helpful and really like get you focused on something like that paints a picture of a God that's worthy of worship, great. But I think a lot of times they don't necessarily. I, so I, I think a big purpose for 
music for what we do here on Sundays when we actually sing uh, is, is teaching. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, are we painting a picture of a God that is worthy of worship? That when, when I come face to face with that God or when somebody talks about that God or when I am thinking about God, are my immediate reactions like, oh, what a narcissist or what an aloof, you know, deadbeat dad, you know, or are my reactions... God is the great companion. God is amazing. God is like the mother I've always wanted, the father I've always wanted. God is like all of these wonderful feelings. Uh, I, I mean, my, my hope would be that the music we're singing paints a picture that is all of those good things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we use a lot of footnotes, too. We, <laughs> we do, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, like you said, we are, we are choosy about the, the songs that we sing here. We, we, always ha- we often have, have footnotes to help. I mean, like, I, I think that there, there are a lot of lyrics that might um, bypass suffering um, mm. that, we, that we might sing in, um, in Christian music. Uh, there are a lot of lyrics that present, uh, particularly if we're if we're um, meditating on God, uh, Jesus on the cross as a picture of God. There's a lot of those that that present God as this wrathful, punishing God, who's the one who's dealing out the the punishment on Jesus. Whereas we we like avoid those songs, or we we uh, we 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 use footnotes with those songs to help us understand that we are singing to a God when we when we meditate on Jesus on the cross. We're singing to a God that interrupts violence, not that. That is causing violence, that, that it is human beings that often want to scapegoat and put people to death. And God is the one that interrupts that rather than is, you know, fanning that flame. Um, but how we sing about the cross often in churches, it, it doesn't do that. It fans the flame. And then when you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be singing to this God who's supposed to be wonderful, but I kind of am afraid of this God, that's not going to help you enter into a space of praise or joy mm-hmm. or asking for help because you kind of are looking over your shoulder like, should I be asking this God for help? Um, yeah, I, I think song is like leading people in spaces of song that feel safe for people to truly ask whatever it is we're singing. And that's so important. So important. It really is. And I think it's both about creating a picture of a God, like collecting songs that create beautiful images of a God that we can believe in Mm -hmm. and trust, Mm -hmm. and not at the same time heaping on guilt and shame and feeling awful about ourselves. That there has this idea of worthiness almost like has to establish that there you have inherent beauty and there is a beautiful God that is worth following and emulating and participating in the world with. For sure. I mean, part of, part of the picture, part of a, if we're talking about we are singing to a God that is worthy of worship, a God who is disgusted with me is not worthy of worship, no. right? <laughs> like that, that, that's, not, that's not useful. That, that's not going to help me enter into a space of prayer or vulnerability. Uh, it's not going to help me turn to somebody else next to me at church and, you know, ask for help. But if I'm praying to, if, if we're singing a song or we, we, we have lyrics that paint a picture of a God that accepts me no matter what, that sees the ways that I'm longing to live out my values and yet sometimes regret that I don't, that is full of grace, that is full of love, that, that uh, all, of the, all of the best versions of the songs that we mm-hmm. do sing, well, that does feel like a picture worthy of worship. And so I will enter into that fully. Yeah. yeah, I think a concrete example of that, there's so much music out there that talks about being used by God, like okay. God use okay. me. Ooh, and and that, that, I, that doesn't feel right, right? Yeah. If I think about the best relationships that I have with hmm. other people, I would not want to be, used, be used by, by those people. Yes. Yeah. I'd want to be in relationship with them. I'd want to Guided, have mutual, maybe yeah. partnered with. Those yes. Are, yes, but used is, is a little, it's a little icky, right? Yeah, 
it yeah. is. Um, so that that one is one that always raises a red flag. That's good. Me. Yeah, I mean, like I think when we come across things, and you know, like it, it's kind of based on experience, right? It's based on the things you've uh, you've experienced in your life and how you're mapping that onto what you might be singing about God. Um, but yeah, this is why we like to use footnotes, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is why we like to help have handholds for people, no matter where it is they're coming from, to interact with this beautiful, incredible, wonderful God. We don't have to be wondering about God's character. God yeah. has shown us what God is like. And, and that, that, that's kind of the whole point of entering into song. So um, yeah, I mean, like I think we can, we can talk about maybe like the, the obvious, which is like um, music, there's something we can't do when we're just like talking about stuff. Like there's some, music gives you goosebumps, right? A beautiful melody, a beautiful harmony, you know, something that, uh, that, that takes you on a journey, you know, in, in a musical way. We just, we get somewhere we can't if we are just doing prose or even if we're just doing poetry, right? Like the, there, there's something about the way that music helps open people up emotionally that is really beautiful and important. And I think that, uh, I, I think that if we don't have that in a prayer life, then we're expecting this relationship with God to not have emotion in it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. Like a, a good relationships always have emotion in them. And, and, and that's, that's part of what a, a deep connection is. And so music can bring us into that. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that, you know, music has always been one of the, I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling through the chat here that people have written and like, there's a bunch of people saying like, music has always been a part of my journey or music is the one thing that kept me in for in a time when I was confused or something like that. Uh, I, I, it makes sense that many people would have those stories. Yeah, it really draws on um, this phrase that we've used before of collective effervescence, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, this larger than just you experience of being part of something bigger, um, something that is unifying and emotional and powerful mm-hmm. that you can actually tangibly feel. Um, and I think that music is probably the biggest component of that in like worship settings that Absolutely, like absolutely, because there and th- and that kind of captures some of these stories that we've told. Some of them are social. They're that mm-hmm. I'm doing this with a group of people, and that's the collective effervescence thing. I'm I'm a part of something larger than me. And then some of them are very personal. It's you singing to your child in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. right? And that, but still, music can do this do exactly what you need in a way that, you know, like, I mean, the, what, all of the brain science about children or about uh, uh, aging adults and how music is this incredible avenue to the heart of who they are, right? And, uh, and, and that, uh, of course, that would be something that could become utilized in, in prayer, in relationship with God, when it's so, so important to relationships with everybody else. Yeah, just don't sing about fires on mountains. <laughs> this is probably <laughs> probably not wise to, <laughs> also with the hand motions. Too, I know, that's kinda, great. It's it makes it a little catchy. bit weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, as we close for our um, guided prayer mm-hmm. experience for today, Vince is actually going to give us a chance to kind of more intentionally um, practice this idea of using music as um, spiritual technology, as a spiritual way to connect with one another and to connect with God and to slow down. Um, So we are going to do something different than we typically do, um, but we are going to have one more song as a part of our time here. Um, If you want to stay seated, you can do that. If you would like to stand, you can feel free to take whatever posture feels prayerful for you but we are going to actually put into action what we've been talking about and use this time to sing with one.